We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And we are going to, well, almost, we're going to wrap up our offensive side of the football with our uh, spring previews. And uh, we're going to talk offensive line. And, And that means we only have one more position to talk about. That's on the defensive side. And we'll get to that later in the week. But today, we are going to focus on the offensive line, Brian. And to kick things off, let's, uh, let, let's dive in here uh, with what you're hearing out of the Goog. Uh, and they're going to be starting spring practice here soon. And you're hearing some potential position uh, situations. So I'm going to give the floor to you and let you kind of give the scoop. Yeah, so part of the reason we waited so long to do the offensive line podcast is because there were so many question marks. I mean, it would yeah. just be like, I don't know when anybody's going to play. You know, we can make <laughs> our guesses. And, we, and we've talked about some of sure. those guesses in past podcasts, but to right. do an actual preview, wanted to wait as long as they could to see if we could find out kind of where get in a better idea of who's going to be where and who the battles are going to be between. So hearing some things now. So number one, the big concern with all this, the thing that makes it a little challenging for the staff is the, the fact that Jarrett Patterson is going to be either limited or completely out during the spring. We haven't heard either way, but and he just kind of got out of the, the you know, whatever he had put in his foot, just came out this past week. So I would imagine there's a good chance he may not do anything this spring. So the staff is stuck in a tough spot. Do you just project him to a position and say he's going to play here 
and then allow battles to happen at another position? Or do you kind of say, hey, we're going to let guys battle for spots, see who emerges, and then move Jarrett Patterson kind of in the position where it fits best? And that's sort of the the situation that Notre Dame finds itself in. And from what I'm hearing, it sounds like they're just going to kind of try to find a starting five in the spring and then figure out where to put Jarrett Patterson then. I don't love it to part of it, which I'll get into, but some of it I actually like. So the first thing I've heard is that Tosh Baker has had a really good offseason, and they're really happy with his improvement. As you all remember, I had Tosh Baker ranked very high uh, in my 2019 or 2020 recruiting class, I had him as a top 50 national player, tons of upside. My only question with Tosh Baker was how quickly would he gain enough size and strength to be ready to play? Tosh was like 270, 265, 270 when he graduated high school. Cause he was also a, a basketball player and that can keep a big guy's weight down. He's also incredibly long. He's like six, eight, almost six, eight, really long arms and kind of on the thin side. So there was going to be some weight room work. Sounds like there's some confidence that at least before the pads come on, that he's upped his weight and his strength enough that they feel good about giving him a legitimate shot to start a okay. left tackle. Vince, to me, that's the big takeaway from all of this is that if you're liking an, a Tosh Baker enough to say, hey, we think he has a chance to compete right. at left tackle with Jarrett Patterson out, we want to see what Tosh can do at left tackle. So it's a good opportunity that, for him because there's going to be more reps available. Yes. Yes. Now, here's the concern. He's played seven snaps in his career. They were all in one game. It was against right. Syracuse because Notre Dame did a really poor job of, of getting younger players snaps this season against a really weak schedule. We've beat that horse already to death. We're not going to get into it again. Yeah. But that's the concern with a player like Tosh Baker is he has no playing time. Now, neither did Quentin Nelson when he took over in 2015. Remember, the four-game rule had not been enacted yet right. in t- by then. Uh, Liam Eikenberg had played a lot more than seven snaps, but you know Robert Hainsey played zero snaps. He was in high school the year before. You know, So Tommy Kramer, when he took over in 2017, hadn't played any snaps. So we've seen guys not play a lot before and step in and thrive because they were really good. Sure. Josh Baker's really good. But, I, but for me, as a quarterback, I'm always a little nervous about a left tackle, no matter how good he is, he's never played. Sure. <laughs> that's just, that's yeah, just and me. Especially, not only has he not played, but he's a true sophomore. Right. right? So Red shirt freshman, yeah. That's, I mean. that's a not, – not only has he not played, but he's a very youthful right. not played. And, and when right. you're talking about offensive line, that means something. You know, it, it yeah. just does. I mean, especially left tackle. Maturity and left yeah. tackle, all of that. It means something. Well, Vince, we've talked about how great the left tackle position has been at, at Notre Dame under sure. Ryan Kelly, right? Zach Absolutely. Martin, Ronnie Stanley, uh, Mike McGlinchey, and then uh, and then Quentin Nelson. <laughs> or excuse me, uh, Liam Meikenberg. Right, 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 right. Well, right. here's the one thing about them: Ronnie Stanley is a sophomore, redshirt freshman, started at right tackle. Mike McGlinchey is a redshirt freshman, didn't start, started one game. That was in the bowl game against LSU. Then as a redshirt sophomore, he was a right tackle. It wasn't until his senior right. year, redshirt junior year, that he played left tackle. And Liam Eikenberg didn't take over at left tackle till he was a redshirt sophomore, so his third year in the program. Right. The only left tackle that took over as a sophomore was Zach Martin. To your point, we haven't seen this happen a lot where a younger player sure. took over. Right. We've seen guys move into the spot. Ronnie Stanley, Mike McGlinchey got starts at right tackle first. And that that to me is kind of the, the question that I have is 
will are they grooming him to take over that left tackle spot? And if he's ready for it and he can thrive, then you play him. But if he's not, then do you move him to right tackle and slide Jarrett Patterson in there? Right. I think that's the thing that they're looking to find out is, is does Tosh seize hold of that job? And then now you can move Jarrett to right tackle. Okay, now, that's going to be my next hearing, question. Yeah. Yeah, what I'm hearing is that it's not a move Jarrett back to center discussion okay yet. it's that it's more of a right tackle with then would then bump josh lug into right guard is what i'm hearing so that's that's the dominoes okay that i'm hearing so if tosh takes hold at left tackle then jarrett would move over to right tackle from center jarrett patterson and then josh lug who's going to start at right tackle in the spring would then move into right guard where he played this year now Which i don't we know what lo- you do I mean, right we- i don't love that okay to be honest with you because Josh Lug needs work at the position you think he's going to play in the fall. If you think he's going to be a guard in the fall, then he needs work at guard this spring. He just does. He's moved around so much, you sure. need to let him settle in at a spot. What I would like to see is let Tosh play left tackle this spring, but let Quinn Carroll and you know Blake Fisher or something like that battle at right tackle, and then – if Tosh is good enough to play, but maybe you just don't love him at left tackle, then you can move him to right tackle, and then he can battle with those younger players, those other players, and then Jarrett can step in at left tackle. I, I, but that way, Josh Lug is at least solidifying himself a guard, if that's your plan, and that's kind of what I'm hearing the plan is at this point in time. And so what we what we know is that Jarrett Patterson is going to start at one of the tackles. That, that, that's what I, I mean. feel confident of now. Now, listen, okay. the spring could work out in some funky ways <clears> where – Josh Lug dominates at right tackle, which wouldn't shock me. And Tosh looks great at left tackle, but you're shaky at guard. Then you have to think about, okay, Josh has really found his home there. Jarrett's moving to a new position anyway. Sure. Let's move him to guard. Okay. So I I could see a scenario there, or maybe even, hey, Zeke's ready to step up, but let's move Zeke Carell to guard and put Jarrett back at center. So I do think there's some some open-mindedness to how this could shake out, but my understanding is, and I've been hearing this for about a month, is that Jarrett Patterson's going to play tackle. Now, the original plan, from what I was told, was Jarrett was going to start at left tackle. Right. That has changed mainly because of how well Tosh Baker has performed in winter workouts, from what I'm told. Okay. That's a great sign, Vince. When, yes. When you're doing that because someone else is – really performing well that's when you're as an offensive line coach or as an offensive coordinator or head coach whoever you're looking at that's when you start feeling good like hey we knew this kid had a lot of upside and talent but he's maybe a little bit of a year ahead so far based on what he's doing in the weight room that's a great sign that's really where you want to be as a coach in my opinion absolutely especially with a young guy like that who is forcing himself into the conversation like you said I mean that's when you that that only gives you more options as a coach and when you're a coach the more options you have the better as long as you're Mm -hmm. a good coach and you can you can figure out you know some coaches don't do well with all kinds of options I I will say Mm -hmm. that I I have seen that many times Um, but if you're giving me the option of having multiple options or having very very few options I'm going to take multiple options because I feel like that makes the group better and it allows you to if you're if you are really looking for the five best to put on the offensive line, the more options you have, the better off you are. And and I think ultimately, maybe this is a year early for Tosh Baker, but there's some attractiveness to having an athletic 6'8 guy at left tackle. Absolutely. 
compared to a six four guy that you know has been playing center his whole career. I would love sure. to see Jared Patterson a left tackle. I think he can play the position, no problem. But I'm also somewhat sympathetic to the notion of if Tosh is ready, let's let him give a shot at left tackle. I got you, yeah. And, and so you know, because that's that his forte in high school was pass blocking. I mean that that that's why you recruited him because you think he's going to be an elite pass blocker. Is he ready for that as a, as a redshirt freshman, true sophomore? We'll, we'll find out. But I do like the fact that he's earned that look. That's what you all. It's all you can ever ask for as a coach is that you put in the work. If you put in the work, I'm gonna give you your shot. And that's where Tosh is now. The player that I did not mention of the veterans in this conversation about left tackle, right tackle, and right guard is Andrew Kristoffic. Okay. My understanding is that he is going to battle with Dylan Gibbons for the left guard, starting left guard position. Dylan Gibbons obviously has the experience. He started game last year, came against Florida State. He'll be in the battle. But Andrew Kristoffic has put himself in position to where he's going to push there. Now, again, a lot of different scenarios could work themselves out. If – if Tosh Baker's just not ready, because look, how good you look in the weight room is yeah. just one small part of it. Absolutely. Once you put those pads on and you're going against Isaiah Foskey and Justin Adam sure. Yola and Mario Mutungavaloa and those guys on a daily basis, you may hey, he ain't ready yet. It's like drinking through a wall fire hose, right. man. It's just you, like you may yeah. realize, hey, look, he needs to play, but he's not ready to start. And then you can say, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna let him rotate at right tackle with Josh Lug or something like that. You know, kind of like you did in 2017. Sure. He can get every third series. I'm always for that. Hey, get these young guys some opportunities. But but we haven't. The problem is we haven't seen that in the past for right. um, just that one staff. Yeah, just saying. that one time in 2017. Right. So that's kind of where you're at there. But so right now you're in a situation where if Gibbons and and Kristovic both shine in the spring, you could see one of them move to right guard and and lug state right tackle if Tosh Baker's not ready to start, and then Patterson slide in at left left tackle. John Dirksen is is going to get a shot at right guard, but I don't think it's going to last very long. Okay, it just doesn't sound like he's up to this point really stepped up. But this is going to be a big spring for him. He's got it. He's going to have a chance. So Kristoffic is an interesting guy. This is a huge spring for Andrew Kristoffic because he's going to get a shot now to start at guard. Is for is what I'm told according to my sources. The question is: Is Kenny sees hold of it, and that's where we're at. There's a lot of talent there. He's got to become more assertive. I think he's kind of a laid-back, quiet kid. He's got to be more assertive. And I don't care about off away from the field or whatever, but on the field, he's got to really seize hold of this and say, hey, look, you got to start me. I don't care if it's left tackle or left guard, right guard, right tackle. you got to start me. And so there's some encouragement there that Kristoffic is ready to just kind of explode this spring. We'll see if he takes advantage of that. But that's what I'm hearing, that there's a confidence. He's going to seize one of those guard spots. Okay, And then that's going to impact kind of how things – so to me, the two dominoes are of the of the younger players is Tosh Baker and Kristoffic. How do they perform? And then from how they perform is going to kind of determine where Jarrett Patterson and Josh Lugg ultimately end up. And that's what I'm hearing. I'm, I am hearing also that Zeke Carell is kind of – is barring injury or some setback, there's a lot of confidence he's ready to take hold of that center position. I have not heard anything about center position other than – them trying to cross train some guys for who steps in if for some reason he goes down. Gotcha. I mean, I think to me it yeah. would make sense you just move Jared Patterson back there, but he may just be so good at right tackle you don't necessarily want to move that. Who knows? We'll find out. But that's what I'm hearing so far about okay. the offensive line. And another young player that I'm hearing is ahead of where most freshmen are at this point in time is Blake Fisher. I'm hearing a lot of good things about Blake Fisher and the work he's putting in. Now, again, he's sure. just a freshman, and when the pads come on is when you really separate. 
know, the men from the boys, but there's a lot of, a lot of cautious optimism about him and the work he's putting in. Cause I think whenever you have a kid like him, who's just a really big kid, there's this thought that, you know, is he really going to work? Is he going to do? And from what I'm told, he has been putting in the work and, and it's more of a, you know, those big kids can just kind of bully people with just, they're so much bigger. They don't realize what hard work is really like. I'm hearing that's not an issue with Blake Fisher so far. So that's a great sign. And, and that's always a question mark for any lineman for Absolutely. me. I, that's the question more. That's a position more than any other that I look at as a bigger question mark when guys go from high school to college because they can dominate so much more on just size Absolutely. than receivers and yeah. DBs yep. and running backs that sometimes they don't really realize how hard, how hard they have to work once they get to college and they're going against other big elite players. I've heard that's been a smooth transition for Blake Fisher on in the weight room and, and putting in the work. So that's a great sign. And there's a lot of optimism that he may be difficult to not play this year. And, and I'm hoping that the staff is recognizing with a lot of these players, these great players, a lot of them aren't staying for five years. Right. And so take advantage, get him ready now. And then next year, you know, if Jared Pat, because if Jared Patterson has a big year, there's no guarantee he comes back in, for a fifth year. Uh, Josh Lugg's going to be a fifth year this year. Now, technically, he could come back for a sixth year. There's no guarantee he's going to do that. And there's no guarantee you're going to. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Have the scholarship numbers to be able to do that with him because of the just the whole COVID thing, the whole COVID year. It's going to be interesting. So there's a lot of positives that I'm hearing coming out of who's putting in the work this offseason. And there's a lot of optimism that, hey, there's some guys looking at, looking at the open opportunities and saying, hey, there's a, a shot for me. Yeah. I got to go seize it. And so now we got to see him do it with the pads on. And when they got to think about plays and all that other kind of stuff, but so far so good in regards to what I'm hearing about the work being put in by the offensive linemen. Brian, before we jump into some more specifics, uh, we want to take a break real quick and we want to hear from one of our sponsors. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So, Brian, one of the things that we talk about when we're, when we're doing these spring previews is what was lost. 
Mm-hmm. And with, with the offensive line, uh, we could we could talk for a long time uh, about what was lost and the talent that was lost and the starts that were lost and, and everything else because, I mean, that was the most experienced offensive line in Notre Dame history, if I'm not mistaken, going into last year. So you lose – four-fifths of that offensive line. Over uh, 140 career there starts. There you go. There you go. You were scratching out some math there. 140 yes. career starts. Over are 140. Are gone. Over 140. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is that is mind-blowing if you think about that number and how there's, what, 12 to 13 games a year? And so you just do the simple math right there. That's a lot of starts to be moving on to the NFL. And so – you know, Jeff Quinn has his has his work cut out for him. And we we did uh, a podcast not that long ago about how this is a make or break season for Jeff Quinn. This is when yeah. he gets to put his fingerprints on this, this offensive officially line. the start yeah. of the Jeff Quinn era. Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's going to be a challenge. I mean, look, I wouldn't wish I don't want to say that when you lose that many starts, that's going to be difficult for any offensive line coach to replace. The thing that he has in his back pocket, though, is there's a ton of talent in that offensive line room. No question about it. It's who's going to go where, what kind of competition is there going to be, where's Jarrett Patterson going to end up. He's the only guy that's returning with, I mean, you got Josh Lug who had some spot starts. Obviously, you got a couple of other guys who have a start here and a start there. But with significant starts, Jarrett Patterson is your guy. And is he going to bump to left tackle automatically? Is he going to go to right tackle? Is he going to be back at center? I still think that that's a huge question mark. And Mm -hmm. I know we're hearing left tackle, but him being injured or limited or out uh, in spring is really going to affect that question. So Mm where is he going to end up? And and we kind of talked about it in the open. The dominoes that will fall throughout the spring, I think, is going to be so important. Um, and that's why spring is so important because you've got battles at every single position with Jared Patterson sitting out. You officially have a battle at every position except for maybe center because Zeke Carell played very, very well when he was in, uh, when he had to take over for Patterson. Um, but every other position, man, is going to be an absolute battle this spring, Brian. You know, Vince, part of me wonders if, Obviously, getting hurt is not a blessing for Jarrett Patterson. Correct. Because he needs to work in his new position. Yeah, because some people take took my Kyle Hamilton comments like, how can you say it's a blessing? I'm not saying it's a blessing for him. I'm saying it's a blessing for everybody else who gets to take right. reps with him yes, out. Absolutely. But I do think in this regards, mm-hmm. we had originally talked about how fit, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Jarrett Patterson first yep. before you can figure everything else out. Well, now we're in a situation where because he's going to be limited, if if not completely out during the spring, we don't know the answer to that yet yeah. because Notre Dame yeah. hasn't released that. But wow. you know, he's at the very least he's going to be severely limited in the spring. It's almost like now it's it's he's the final domino. Now he was yeah. the originally the first. Okay, figure out where you're going to play him. And the reason it's important that this has changed is not so much that there's now doubt about him. It's that it's that other guys have stepped up and said, "Hey, this guy deserves a shot." Vince and and as a coach, you know as well as I do that. Look. You lose four starters, somebody's going to start. You have to start sure. five linemen. So you have to. Four yes. guys are going to step in the starting lineup, Absolutely. whether they earn it or not. Somebody's going to – It's what you don't want to be, Vince, is you don't want to be in a situation where you're kind of like, well, I guess we're going to have to go with so-and-so there. Right. And, and you want people to seize hold. And so that's why my latest my latest intel report and – and, and the sources that I've talked to are not prone for false praise. 
They're, they're, you know, and that's who I try, I try to talk to people like that, not people like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So every, I'm like, wow, everyone's looking great. You have 12 receivers that could be all Americans next year. Okay, that's wonderful. You know, you're going <laughs> to score 90 points a game. You know, I, I've tried to avoid people like that. <laughs> I don't know. So why. I try to talk to people that are a little bit more skeptical because then I can feel like I'm, I'm wading through like real intel and I can mm-hmm. then put some. So to hear the positive reports coming that from the, the people that I've talked to is, is a great sign because it's, it's, again, they're not prone to that, but the fact that you have guys saying, Hey, like, like Tosh Baker and Andrew Christophic, Blake Fisher, guys like that, Quinn Carroll that I'm hearing are like, they're pushing because they are looking to seize it. That's what you want to see. You want to see yeah. guys looking at this as an opportunity. And now if, if Jared Patterson was healthy and they were just going to move him to left tackle, Maybe Tosh Baker doesn't get the shot that I think he's going to get this spring, that we're hearing he's going right. to get. Again, this is all coming from sources, and the sources are not Notre Dame football coaches. Right? And we don't so, get to be there, and so we're not going right. to be able to confirm that firsthand. Well, we're going to be digging through like the little five video clips that they're going to give us up from every practice <laughs> on Twitter and Instagram. Like, oh, so-and-so was lined up at such-and-such. you know. But anyway, you need to have guys seize hold of those opportunities. And that's what – made me very encouraged by that because you, you mentioned that, that that's a challenge for Jeff Quinn and it is a challenge. There's no doubt about it, but there are a lot of coaches in the net in the college football who would say, I'd love to be in Jeff Quinn shoes. Absolutely. Right now. Correct. Because correct. yeah, he yes. lost four future. He lost four guys that are about to get drafted. Well, three that are definitely about to get drafted, maybe four. And I think Tommy Kramer would have got drafted if not for all the injuries, he still might, but he definitely would have, if not for all the injuries. Yeah, but you're going to replace them with a bunch of dudes who are going to also get drafted in a couple of years of the NFL draft. So, True. you know, cry me a river. So there's a <laughs> lot of NFL, or, and a lot of offensive line coaches that say, hey, you know what? I've got four starters coming back. I'll trade my guys for your backups. Yeah, the guys that have young guys yeah, any day uh-huh. of the week. Yeah, oh, gee, you have a 6'8", super <laughs> athletic left tackle that's never played before. Yeah, you know, <laughs> right. So that's the exciting thing about where they are is that there is a lot of talent to choose yeah. from. And, but but yeah, talent doesn't always equal production, Vince, and that's yeah. why you need to have guys that seize hold of those positions. And now we're kind of in the opposite where originally it was you got to figure out what you're going to do with Jared Patterson and Josh Lug first. Now it's, okay, well, let's see what these young dudes do, yes. and then we can fit those guys you know where they want to be. Well, and I, and I, I appreciate you bringing that up because that goes right to the point that I wanted to make is that even though – originally we said you need to figure out Patterson first. He'd be the first domino. Now he's the last. You've got him in your back pocket, and you know he could legitimately start at all five positions. And so whether you're going to put him into the least productive spot, you know, through spring practice, and you're like, okay, now all of a sudden that's a strength, or, you know, or are you going to, you know, put him back into that left tackle spot, or are you going to put him at right? All the different options that you have with Jarrett Patterson – Having him in your back pocket, knowing that he is there, I think makes the job of Jeff Quinn not – I don't know if easier is the right word. It, it's easier. But, it's not easy, but right. it's easier. But it's easier, and, it, and yeah. it gives him that confidence that, hey, I've got this kid over here on the sideline who I know I can plug right into any one of these five positions. Right. So if somebody is not pulling their weight the way we need them to, if somebody hasn't grabbed a hold of a position like we want them to, Jarrett Patterson. Right. You know what I mean? Like that is a great, and that includes situation. Zeke Carell. That but includes that, Zeke Carell. Yeah. You know, you talk about sure. he played, he played very, very good, and and I would, I would agree mm-hmm. with that. Considering relative to his inexperience in the situation Correct. he was thrust into, Correct. He needs to play a lot better relative to he's going to be a full time starter at Notre Dame and a third no year player. He's also been a guy that struggled to stay healthy for for 
good chunk of his Notre Dame career. So now he gets a chance to go out there and say, hey, I'm the guy. And with a guy like Jarrett Patterson being limited, if Tosh Baker was looking really good, it'd be really easy for them to say, well, let's put Jarrett back to center. And then Zeke maybe misses that chance. So he has a great opportunity this spring, too, to say, okay, I get my shot now to prove it. It's up to me. And if I'm not starting at center next year, then it means I, I didn't do what I need to do. Absolutely. So it's a, it's a great chance for him. But it's also, I think, here's the other interesting aspect of this. Jarrett Patterson is going to provide a lot of leadership in the film room and in the weight room and different areas. But if he's not on the field, there's only so much leadership he can provide Somebody when he's standing over up. by the coaches. Yep. So that's another thing that you're you're in. And this is the time for that. that yep. This is the time where it is the spring. You don't have a game next weekend like they had when Jarrett Patterson went down in the fall. Like they had to go figure out to go play a game. He got hurt against BC. They had a game, you know, right. two weeks later against because uh, they had a bye after BC, right? They had a I game so, yeah. two weeks later against North Carolina. You have to get ready for. It. So now you're in a situation where you've got a whole spring for him to do to do that. And Jer- Zeke Carell's in a situation where he's got to step in and say, okay, you've got this. You've got to not only handle the center job, but you've got to be the leader of the group the way that Jarrett Patterson was. It doesn't mean you need to be a captain. You need to speak up and you know be a you know a SWAT team leader or anything like that. I don't, I don't care about that, you know, because Jarrett Patterson wasn't a team captain last year. Lee Meikenberg and Robert Hainsey was. They provided the leadership when it came to the overall everyday day to day how you going about your business leadership. But when it when the whistles, you know, when when you were between the feet the, the lines it, and the hash marks and all that, it was it was Jarrett Patterson that and was that's the communicator. And that's what all the other offensive linemen tell us when we talk to them. Zeke Patterson's got to be that guy because that's got to be a center. Like, you know, it's like when Sam Mustafer, I thought, struggled in 2019. Or excuse me, it was uh, 2018. I thought he struggled that year. But the thing that he did well is he provided great leadership because he's the center. I mean, you're the foundation. You're the middle of it. If you don't, if the center's not playing well, the line's not going to be great. It's just a fact. Yeah. So even if you're not playing great, if you provide leadership, then you provide value. And then if you pro- if you're providing leadership and good play, you're a you're a guy you can't we can't lose that guy. And, and you've made yourself invaluable. And that's like with anything. And what if you if you're an employee, if you're a yeah. football player, if you're a football yeah. coach, if you're whatever, you got to make yourself invaluable. You got it. You got to make it to where they're like, well, we can't replace that guy because. Yeah, maybe somebody's bigger and more athletic and faster, but that guy can't provide the leadership, the toughness, and the execution that this guy brings. And that's the right. opportunity that Zeke Carell has in front of him. And I think he's a very talented player. And this is a great opportunity for him to do that. But he's got to stay healthy, and he's got to – which is not always in his control. I mean, I mean, if you get a concussion, that's not really something you can control unless you got True. it banging your head up against your locker, which is you know usually how that goes. I had a kid get a concussion going through the offensive line shoot. So just putting it out there. I'm glad I don't coach high school football. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Sorry, I had to put well, it out there. Yeah. But uh, you're, you're talking about Zeke Carell, and I think this yeah. is a big opportunity for him. Uh, I personally think he's going to seize it, and I think he's going to run with it. I think it. so, too. I, if I, I was a betting man, I would. Yes, I would do that. I, I'm very, very high on Zeke Carell. I am. I am really high on him. I, I really like what he brings to the table. My question is, who's his number two? Yeah. Who, who's going to be that? Because you need a solid backup because you, you never know, well, obviously. You, you need – there's because let me run this by you, Vince, okay. before you go – because I want you to speak on this. There's two scenarios that you have to be prepared for. One is the long term. Zeke Carell gets hurt in the second game of the year. He's out for the year. Right. That, to me, is an easy one. 
you move Patterson. Jared Patterson back yep. to center. 100%. But then there's a scenario where Zeke Corral sprains his ankle in the second quarter. He's going to play next week, but he's out this game. Right. Even if it's just for a series or a game, who's your center then? You don't right. want to move your right tackle in the middle of a game. No. Or your left tackle in the middle of a game. Unless it's unless it's a, a season-ending type but of even injury. Then, but even you, then, in the middle need, of the game, You need tough. a way to get yeah. out of that game without reshaking up the whole offensive line Completely in the agree. game. You, you've got – practices you know you've got a monday walkthrough you've got tuesday wednesday practices kind of read thursday uppers to figure exactly yeah so to me the 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 long term is probably Jarrett patterson Mm -hmm. but it would be ideal if there was a guy that was the clear number two now here's the question mark you have to try to ideally find a guy that's not a starter somewhere else which True. makes it a little challenging to find in the spring because there's guys, you know, let's say Andrew so Christophic is doing yeah. it. Right. Yeah. yeah. You say, well, Andrew Christophic is, is, is getting snaps at center, you know, just to, to get that work. But what if he starts at guard? Again, it's the same thing with Jared Patterson. Do you want to move Andrew Christophic from left guard to center in the middle of a game? Well, then just move the other guy. Move Jared right. Patterson. Right. Right. So it, it's about finding a guy that can get you out of a game, but ideally you don't want it to be a guy that's a starter. When you so want to who, plug and play who guy. is that yeah. guy? Right. Who, who is, I mean, that's that's the thing is it's harder to find that job now because you've got everybody still battling for a, a, a starting job. So I think that's what to me what makes it even more challenging is finding that that number two center because that is important, especially when you have a starting center who has a little bit of a injury history. Yeah, and it's not a major injury history, but, but it still look, exists. Zeke, Zeke started the one game and then got hurt and couldn't right. play against Syracuse and you know and, and Clemson. So yes, there's there's some concern there. So I think that might even be one of the hardest things Jeff Quinn has to figure out this spring is who's my number two center, and if like let's say you establish it as you know Andrew Kristoffic or John Dirksen or something like that, and that guy ends up starting at guard, that's a question mark. Here's a question I have for you, Vince. Oh boy, because I know you're very high on on Zeke at center. And I know you've always been prone to wanting Patterson at tackle in your, in your opinion, when you look at the options at guard, so you've got the two young tackles, Christophic and Carroll could both maybe play guard. You've got Michael Carmody, who's a a redshirt freshman in Tosh Baker's class, talented player. You got veterans, John Dirksen, Dylan Gibbons. And then you have the new guys, Blake Fisher, Rocco Spindler. In, in your opinion, what would be the ideal situation for for 2021 realistically like well of course Man. you know Rocco Spindler and Blake Fisher aren't going to be first team all Americans as true freshmen right what is your right. ideal if you say if this plays out during the spring that's going to that's going to make me the most comfortable and confident about the guard positions heading into the fall and again you can it could be moving guys around but in your opinion what is the ideal cuz that's to me the bigger question mark i think tackles like well between Patterson, Baker, Lug, Quinn Carroll, even Blake Fisher, I feel good that out of that group, two guys yeah. are going to emerge and be good. I feel good about center. Guard, to me, is the much, is the much bigger question mark for me going into the spring. Well, I think guard has has the most names. Uh, I mean, it, it just seems like a grab bag. It's like, well. Most names, but also most question marks. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely correct. I, I do like uh, Christophic being a starter at guard. Um, I realize he's probably maybe more of a natural tackle, but I think he's been around the program so long that I, I, I really like him and I like what he brings to the table. And 
I guess I definitely subscribe to the top five guys get on the field and you figure out where they go, essentially. And I feel like Kristofik is going to be one of those guys. And so if he gets penciled in at, the, at one of those guard spots, the left guard, I believe, is what you said he, he's kind of projected at, I feel really, really good about that. Um, I, I do. I feel really, really good about that. After him, it it's a, that's a really good question. I'm not sure that I have a, a particular you know pony at the front uh, in my head. This is where so I guess. Let me interrupt you, Vince. I yeah. guess then because this is going to factor into it. What's your ideal tackle situation? What's your what's your perfect if, if everything goes right? Because right. now, see, this is I think once I, once you answer this question, I think okay. it's going to make the other guard position a lot easier. Yeah. What's your okay. ideal tackle situation? I think you know where I'm going with this. I do know where you're going with this because I think because of the way the dominoes are going to fall, and I apologize, I'm not looking at the screen. I'm like, this is my okay. Thinking, you got it. You got to get that thinking zone, man. It's all good. <laughs> um, I now that you say that, that I really kind of want Josh Lug at right guard. Yeah. Um, I think that he's a more natural guard, even though he's six, seven, he's a big boy. I still think that guard is his spot. Um, and so that means that Jarrett Patterson's one of the tackles. Um, I personally like him at left tackle. I gotta say, I, I kind of am pulling for Tosh Baker to get that right tackle spot. I don't mind youth. Mm -hmm. Um, if, if he earns it, I right. really don't mind him being that right tackle and then eventually potentially moving over to left tackle. I, I feel like even if he goes out and has an amazing spring, I would still be a little bit apprehensive about him being at left tackle just because he's so young. Um, I would much rather have him take the route of the Mike McGlinchey, for example, where Stanley, he, yeah. you got a couple years at right tackle, then you transition over to left tackle when you are ready to be that dominant upperclassman. Um, I think that's what I – so I guess I just put together my offensive line. I, I've got Patterson at left tackle. <laughs> I've got Christophic at left guard. I've got Carell at center. I've got Lug at right guard, and I've got Tosh Baker at right tackle. Now here's the other interesting part is now what do you do with Blake Fisher? Sure. You know, because my <clears throat> thing is here, – here's – I like for the future. Tosh Baker's my left tackle. Sure, I mean, yeah, Vince, I agree. You, you know how high I am. I, I'd have to go back and look at my rankings. I think he was my number one recruit in the 2019, 2020 class. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna have to look that up. That sounds I think about he right. Was, I think he was my number one recruit in that class uh, on, on offense, maybe even overall. So I'm gonna kind of look that up as as I'm talking. But so I love him, but I also kind of feel the way that you do in that. I'm not necessarily, and I, I'm kind of looking at this from a from both a, a a quarterback and a offensive coordinator point of view. Of sure. do I really want to go to battle with a a guy with seven career snaps under his belt to that start the season? Tackle. Yes, Blake Fisher was my number one recruit uh, in uh, the 2021. Oh no, that's Blake Fisher. I'm trying to look up the year before. Uh, Blake Fisher was my number one uh, last year, and I think Todd. Number one the year before, but I'm going to look that up. But I just I like the experience part of it. But here's another angle that I'm looking yeah. at it. If okay. you play him at left tackle, there's there's nobody you can rotate in this year because I, I I wonder if it might not be healthy for them to kind of to take a similar approach to what they took in 2017, not to the full degree where where it's you need serious. to yes, not to that full degree. 
But what I what what I do think you could do is at right tackle, I'd feel a little better about that with a maybe a a Quinn Carroll or okay. I'm sorry, I I had him number number four because I forgot about Michael Mayer. <laughs> so I had Michael Mayer one, Chris Tyree two, Jordan Johnson three, Tosh Baker four. But I had all four of them as top fifty players, yeah. so I did have him as a top fifty player. Um, <clears throat> sorry about that. You should get something in your head and you just can't get it out of your Absolutely, head. Absolutely. Yeah. That's kind of where I was. They're all pretty good players. So I but think it's, you're okay, I, you know. Yeah. I just don't think that I would feel as comfortable rotating him at left tackle. So if you put him at left tackle, he's basically your guy. Yes. At right tackle, it's a little bit easier, like we saw in 2017, to your point, where maybe you work in a Blake Fisher. Maybe you get Quinn Carell, or uh, excuse me, Quinn Carroll every third or fourth series. Let him get some work. So I. I I feel like that's kind of why I'd like to see Jarrett Patterson yeah. at left tackle and Tosh Baker at right tackle. However, if Tosh Baker's playing left tackle because he forces his way there, that's a different – then I almost kind of accept it because, like, okay, if he's that good and he's – because part of this I'm basing it on, Vince, is my own projection of I think he's probably a year away from being a 700-snap guy. That's fair. Which is essentially seven you – know, yeah. which is essentially what is seven, 800 actually snap guy. And that's my concern is how's he going to be in November? Sure. As a young player, he's a very young, he's got a baby face and a baby body sure. and all that. Yeah. You know, so that's that's my concern is at right tackle, maybe you could have him and Blake Fisher working in together. And then eventually maybe if somebody goes down, you can slide him over to left tackle and Patterson has to move in to replace somebody else if you have to move it around. So I, that's kind of my only concern. But if it, if if Tosh Baker and Jarrett Patterson, my tackles, Christophic and and uh, Lugger my guards and Carell's my center. I'm starting to feel really good about that. I feel really good. And about then you that find a way line. to get Blake Fisher on the field. And, sure. and and if Dylan Gibbons is good enough to beat out Andrew Christophic, then that's fine too. I mean, sure. he, he's a big, strong, tough kid too, and, and be a really good run blocker. It, it, so uh, there's just that's the I guess it, Michael Carmody's another guy we're not really talking about. I've heard a lot of good things about Michael Carmody. I, I think he might be your way. The the Christophic one is interesting, Vince, because I always I was always on the same page as you. I felt he was a more natural tackle because he's mm-hmm. a really athletic player. But then I did that interview with Robert Hainsey last month, and 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 we were talking about younger players, and he offered the uh, the opinion that he thought Andrew Christophic would actually be better at guard. Hmm. And this he is someone who, who right, yeah. and so he he sees him and you know because he was he was in up with the varsity last year, and he was a guy that that backed up Robert Hainsey a lot at right. He'd play right and left tackle, so he sees a guy that and I, and I know he's taking snaps at guard, so he sees him and says, "Hey, there's some toughness here." He thought his mentality was better suited for guard, which is kind of how I feel about Josh Lug. Having said that, the interesting thing about Josh Lug is. Yes, I think he's more natural guard, but his best football that he's played at Notre Dame was at tackle. That's true. In 2019, I mean, that, no, he played better true. at tackle in 2019 than he did at guard last year. Yeah. Now, does that does that predictive of what he'll do in 2021? No. But I, I think for me, it's very important that they got to find a comfortable place for Josh. They got to find a place where Josh Lug is most comfortable. Well, and I'm and I'm very interested to see how he does when he's the guy, right? Because he's always kind of been that. Well, not always, but for the past two years, he's been that sixth man where. Right. He literally played three different positions. I mean, he played center, he played guard, he's played tackle. So uh, he has to be ready to play all three of those positions. And in the future, he's still going to know them all. But when he has his starting role, I want to see how he just takes that and runs with it. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. you can flush some of that other stuff 
and you can focus on what your starting position is, yeah. your spot. And, and that's that makes part of the issue. That's part of the issue, though, Vince, is if they think <clears throat> ultimately he's going to be playing guard, then they need to make sure he's playing I guard. I agree. That's, you know, that's kind of the challenge. So, uh, you know, that's all. That's kind of what makes it a little bit difficult because that that is where they have to project a little bit if Jarrett Patterson can't go. Because yeah. like you said, they haven't seen Jarrett Patterson attack. Well, not sure. since his freshman year. I mean, he right. played, they've seen Jarrett Patterson at tackle. He played tackle as a freshman. They didn't move him to, t- to center until he, he was – a sophomore so it's it's not like we've never they've never seen Jarrett Patterson at tackle they sure. know what Jarrett Patterson can do at tackle to a degree to a degree some to a degree, some idea yeah, right I just feel like if if you're locked in on him being one of the tackles then 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 let those young players get those reps let Blake Fisher get extra reps let Quinn Carroll get the extra reps let right. jo- you know let Tosh Baker get the extra reps see what they do because honestly Vince you have look they're playing Florida State in the opener I don't know who yep. Florida State's defensive ends are going to be, but they're going to be athletic. That yeah, I can absolutely. say. Uh, I don't know if they're going to be good, but they're going to be athletic. Right. You got to play Wisconsin in the first month of the season. You got to play Purdue and George Karloftis in the first month of the season. You're you're going to have a trial by fire in September. So why not start that in 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 March and April? And, and so that's kind of my thing: is yeah. let those young guys throw throw their feet to the fire. Put Josh Lug at guard. Let him solidify that spot. Let him and Zeke, because he, he, him and Zeke Carell need this. If if those are two guys you project to be inside, and they starters, need to work together. They need to work yes. together. So I would like to see the staff be a little bit bold and not be conservative and say, "Look, if this thing goes how we think it's going to go, Josh Lugs our right guard, Zeke Carell's our center, and Jarrett Patterson's one of the two tackles." Sure. Okay. So now, if you're a, if you're two weeks in. And Tosh just isn't cutting it. And like, look, Tosh, he's just not ready yet. Then you could always move Jer- move Josh Lug back out to tackle. I would rather do that than to have him at tackle, hoping to move him to guard. Let him play guard, then give those young bucks those ch- chances. And if they can't do it and they can't make it, then we can talk about whether or not they're, you know, okay, now we got to do something else. Now the right. second half of spring ball, we're going to get Josh back out at tackle. Because that's the other thing the teams will do is they, for the first – eight practices we're going to work so and so we're going to work this guy here and that's what we're, we're going to see what he can do and if you can't handle it this okay now for the final seven practices we're going to move josh lug what you don't want to do to me is is move josh lug somewhere and then and then move him to a different position that maybe he's not going to play in the fall right so let those young guys get that shot early in spring and then if they fail then you can move Josh Lug back out to right tackle with the thought of his last 5 6 practices are going to be at tackle and that's where he's going to start in the fall you want to start getting some idea but i don't think yeah. you want to start him at tackle and then hope that he's going to move to guard you know let him get that work at guard cuz in a perfect world there's a chance that he starts at guard and then stays at guard because those other guys stepped up because it's Absolutely. a similar thing as he starts to tackle moves to guard and guards were going to play him in the fall. It's the same philosophy that I was talking about before. The difference is if you start him at guard and things go well, then you just leave him a guard. If you start him at tackle and you're hoping to move him, then eventually and things go well, you're going to move him. But if things go well then, and you can leave him in one spot to me, that's the ideal scenario that you want to find yourself in. So that's why I would start him at guard. I understand why they're not why they may not do that, but that to me is what I would do if I was in their shoes. And then let those young guys, like you said, you know, the whole drinking through a fire hose thing. Let them right. do that. Sure. Because if, if they can't handle spring is four though. I if mean, they can't yeah. handle that in April, 
they are definitely not yeah. going to be able to handle that in September when they're playing, exactly. you know, against other teams and when the games matter. Exactly. So that's where you, that's what the spring should be about to your point. And, you know, I want to see Michael Carmen. I'll see Blake Fisher. There's, there's a lot of numbers here and, you know, Caleb Johnson's also an early enrollee. So they're, they're going to have plenty of bodies. I just want to see kind of who who steps up and who continues to seize it once the pads go on. It's great to hear the stuff we talked about at the beginning sure. through winter workouts. But as you know, Vince, every year there's guys that look great in winter workouts and summer <laughs> workouts, and then the pads come on, and it's like he's not as good as we thought. Because <laughs> some guys, you know, we called them we called them half speed heroes when yeah. I was coaching. Oh yeah, you know. Uh, you know, walk through all Americans kind of thing, you know, yeah. look great in the pads, look great in yeah. the weight room. But then, then it comes down to, you know, you know, playing grown man football. And it's like, eh, I kind of like the idea of not having pads on and getting hit. <laughs> and so, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. So it, it's a lot of, a lot of talent events. I, I think, you know, we don't normally do like a three questions at the end. I think we kind of already addressed like nine yeah, questions. Absolutely. You yeah. know, I was um, thinking the same thing. Where, where's Patterson going to be? Who steps up at guard? You know, can guys stay healthy? Where's Josh Lug going to play? There's so many question marks at offensive yeah. line. Who's going to be number our, two at our center? Our spring question is what's going to happen? Yeah. Let's just yeah, we have right. one spring question. What the heck's going to happen over this right. next month and a half? And, but that's an exciting thing because this is the group that's ultimately going to determine determine how they're going to be here's my big question and i'm going to go back to a topic we've talked about before the best thing that this staff can do for this offensive line is make the offensive scheme and philosophical changes we've talked about because here's the great thing about being more of a spreading the field formationally whether you're in 12 or 13 personnel or not but spread the field out it takes away less defenders in the box if you are running RPOs, if you're running things like that, if you're if you're if you're having a, a an offense that is more modern, sure. it takes a lot of pressure off the offensive line. If you run the system you've been running, the, you're going to have a lot of growing pains this year. We saw it in 2018. We even saw it in 2019 because if it's so driven by you have to play great offensive line, not just good, but you have to be great. Asking an offensive line with four new starters to be great, meaning top five O line, is That's too much. Too much. I do think they can be a top ten O line. Sure. But if you open up the offense, if you make it to where you're attacking teams on the perimeter, I, I was breaking down in, in the course of a day. I broke down Notre Dame film, I broke down Oklahoma film, and I broke down Alabama film, and it amazes me how many nine man boxes Notre Dame faces, and I never see Oklahoma facing that. Because and they run for more yards than Notre Dame does most seasons, they do, and just because of just the alignments that Notre Dame uses. Because when they go twelve and thirteen personnel, they're so so heavy on the run, you know. So that that's the thing for me. I mean, Oklahoma in twenty nineteen averaged two hundred forty yards per game. They averaged two forty seven the year before that, two seventeen the year before that. They're a team that likes to run the football, and. They do it out of a lot of spread sets, and their offensive line always plays well no matter how many guys they lose because their system, the offensive line has to play well, but it doesn't put so much on their shoulders sure, that they have to carry the team. Right. And that's where those scheme changes could could fit and, and are important. And if you do that, then I think the offensive line is going to play. If you, if you continue to do what you've been doing, which is the ball control, running it from – 
you know, no RPOs and a lot of 12 personnel, then your, your offensive line is going to struggle because you're asking them to play a level of football. You should not be asking a unit with four brand new starters and five guys at, at new positions. That's just my opinion. So if those two things go hand in hand, I'm confident that when we get to the end of the 2021 season, we're going to say, yeah, this line played really good. And boy, I cannot wait to see what this group is going to do in 2022. Well, and, and I'm excited to see what this group can do in, in 2021. And I'm very excited to see how these little battles shake out. And mm-hmm. it would be, if we were there, this would be one of the major things that I'd be keeping an eye on would be this offensive line and, and who's, who's lining up with the ones, who's lining up with the twos and what that looks like and just all of that different stuff. I mean, I, I love watching O-line play. So uh, once again, something to be disappointed about with not being at spring practice. But uh, we've gone over that many times. So. That is going to do it for our final offensive position uh, going into spring practice, the offensive line. We have one more defensive position to discuss, and we will do that a little bit later in the week. Uh, And then we'll be done. And then we're going to kind of do kind of a wrap, kind of a, uh, you know, moving into spring practice uh, podcast, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, because spring practice is right around the corner. So. It's going to start this weekend. Yeah, so make sure you stay locked into irishbreakdown.com. Of course, we're going to have uh, all kinds of good stuff uh, on our podcast and then, of course, on the YouTube channel as well. So hit that subscribe button, hit that notification button wherever you are, and we will keep bringing uh, all of the information your way. So for Brian Driscoll, I am Vince D'Addario, and you've been listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.